0: Welcome to the How to Get a Job podcast. I am your host, Daniel Botero. And in this podcast, we help international STEM students land a job that sponsors the H 1B without applying to hundreds of companies. So if you enjoyed this episode, give us a follow, give us a review, and share it with a friend. Without further ado, enjoy the episode. All right. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to this episode of the podcast. Today, I have AJ Eckstein and he's the founder of the final round podcast host of the final round podcast and a consultant at Accenture. and I'm just super excited to have you back on the show man how's it going
1: you know Daniel it's been it's been going well it's definitely uh definitely busy but it's been great I think since we last spoke I was on your podcast you were on the final round podcast and now we're we're kind of regrouping so it's so great to uh to be back on the show
0: no I'm excited to have you back on the show because your job in, in in the final round is to interview just solely recruiters, right? And so what I thought this conversation would be really useful, instead of having 20 recruiters and take, take 20 months to kind of redo your whole podcast, why not do that? Have you here, talk about what you've noticed and commonalities from what recruiters say from top companies. And that way, if you want to learn more and you like to hear what recruiters say, they can go to the final round podcast and hear your show. So AJ, how many recruiters would you would you say you've interviewed since you started this? Um yeah, so. it's it's crazy to think about. it's it's been a journey. And you know, I think
1: from the start, we wanted to think about a set of guests that were really hard to outreach to. But if we got them on the show, we knew it would be a really insightful episode. So, you know, it's definitely been, I would say, a slower journey than most podcasts. Just because, as I'm sure everybody listening, if you've ever outreach to a recruiter, you've even you've either gotten ghosted or they don't respond after a couple of months, or they say I'm too busy. So that's the same for us. But we've been really slowly hammering away, and I think we're almost at 30 interviews now with some of the largest recruiters some of the largest companies, some of the recent uh, episodes with Snapchat, with Netflix, Spotify, Google, LinkedIn, Microsoft, et cetera. So we're at about 30 now. And you know, it's funny from the start, I was always wondering if each episode was going to be very similar because you would think that recruiters have the same thing to say, but we actually differentiate our episodes with asking different questions to every recruiter. We try to tailor every Questions uh, set to the recruiter to their background to the company, so it's very specific on the company as well. For instance, our most recent episode with a Snapchat recruit with two Snapchat recruiters actually asking about what's going on in the social media uh, landscape, how they're competing with TikTok and Instagram, and how Snapchat's a camera company and how they think about recruiting with extended reality and and all of those good things. So every episode has been super unique and I think over the last year or so as I've been doing this podcast just gaining a ton more insight into the world of recruiting
0: you know I think what's interesting uh, and this is like we have to remember it's like when we think about like resume advice or we think about interviewing advice and we hear so many different types of advice but remember like everybody like at the end of the day we're human and every because of human we're unpredictable and we all have different preferences. And so recruiters are humans too. And what one recruiter might think is a really best practice. Another recruiter might actually not like that. And so it's just really important to understand who your audience is because it might shift. And so I think that's why, like, if you ask 10 recruiters for a resume review, like you're going to get 10 different pieces of advice. Now there are some commonalities, right? There are some foundations that are really expected, but after that 80% of the foundation that everybody agrees in, that that 20% is where you see a lot of difference. But have you found that to be true or what have you found?
1: No, I think that's a, it's a great point. I think there are some things that are pretty standard across the board. Like I, I, I have yet to find a recruiter who said that if you're looking for an internship or entry-level role kind of first few years out of college, that your resume should be more than a page. It should not be in color. You know, you should not try to hide keywords, you know, in white text on your resume to trick the ATS for the applicant tracking system. You know, you should not have certain things like that and, you know, focus on impact results. So there are definitely standard things. And another good one is just make sure your resume is up to date. Make sure that you are, you know, representing yourself in a great fashion online. But I do think the nuances come in outreach strategies. The nuances come in how that recruiter thinks about recruiting at that specific company, whether it is Spotify or Netflix or Snapchat, and another big one is how to answer interview questions. For instance, you know, if you're at, uh, if you're in an interview at LinkedIn, or yeah, let's say LinkedIn versus at McKinsey, the why LinkedIn versus why McKinsey should be two very different answers, but in the core principles of what you should focus on are relatively similar.
0: What do you think is the biggest difference in, in recruiting practices that you've seen? Is it a is it change by industry or does it change more by company?
1: I would say it changes by both. I would say definitely more by industry, just because, you know, when you bundle up the large, let's say FANG companies, the Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, Google, they are relatively similar because they're in that same bucket. But if you go outside of that industry and go to finance or go to oil and gas or go to accounting it's a whole different interview process. And I think the two most common examples could be consulting versus banking, right? The main differences, they asked kind of the same behavioral questions, but the technical questions or the case interviews are what's different. So for consulting, there are case interviews, right? Like a, you know, X client comes in and they have declining profit. Can you help them find a solution? That's a case interview style question. And then for investment banking, it could be to, you know, Walk me through a discounted cash flow. What are the three accounting uh, financial statements? Can you market size this company, whatever it may be? So the interview questions definitely change, but I would say still the process of networking, outreaching to recruiters, putting yourself out there, being confident in interviews is still pretty standard across the board.
0: What do you think is the best way to stand out when you're applying to like the fan companies, consulting, banking, oil and gas, like all those industries are extremely competitive and they're probably the most desired ones, right? But they get hundreds, I mean, thousands of applicants, if not tens of thousands of applicants. So what do you think is the best way for them to stand out? I think when you
1: are applying, you definitely should not just have a rapid fire approach. You know, I, I've helped a lot of people on, or there are a lot of job seekers on their Job search journey, and they almost brag that they've applied to a thousand companies today. And you know, you should not go. for, It's a numbers game, but it's it's to an extent because if you just apply to ten thousand companies in a day, or a week, or a month, you're not doing the supplemental work that you need to do. So I would actually say before you even apply, because once you apply, it's hard to add a referral to that. And obviously, and I'm, I know in your show, Daniel, you talk a lot about referrals. It's best to get a referral first and then apply second. So have a target set of companies in a certain industry and then from there, try to reach out to people on the team that you want to work in, right? So I think a big misconception is that you need to speak to the recruiter before you get that interview. But I've actually confirmed validated with many recruiters on the show, recruiters are still extremely important, don't get me wrong. But if you can almost jump the recruiter and get directly to the hiring manager, or get directly to a key decision maker on that marketing team or on that financial planning and analysis team, whatever that team may be, that's gonna be super helpful and it's it's a straight shot right to that interview. So I think that once you have the job application, try to do some research on LinkedIn, use advanced filtering and try to make a list of five or 10 people who you think could be in that interview room, reach out to them. And if you get your foot in the door, they'll actually direct you to that key decision maker And they'll still work with the recruiter hand-in-hand like the hiring manager always does, but you do not always need to chat with the recruiter. So in that application process, if you can back up your application with the referral, that's super helpful. And then also, once you start that process, just know that you're judged from literally point A to point Z. It's not just in the interview room when you're talking to someone, it's in the email communication. It's how fast you respond. It's how eloquent do you speak in the interview? Can you represent yourself? And I think you said a great quote I think it was a LinkedIn post that you said a while ago, and I'll I'll never forget, it's actually a huge piece of advice that I use for kind of my audience as well, is that it's not about being the most qualified, but it's about being the most visible. So I also would highly recommend if you're shooting for a specific role, start creating some content and even start building a brand. It does not have to be a brand where you go viral and have a million plus followers and likes and engagement just start creating some content. If you're shooting for a digital marketing strategy role, right? Don't be afraid to share some news in the digital marketing strategy world and talk about that on LinkedIn. And you, you become a not, I don't want to say influencer, but a thought leader. And that will add to your application and also help boost the company's uh, overall brand.
0: Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more on everything that you're sharing there, because it's, it's exactly kind of like the strategy that we follow at MC2C It's like, we want to focus on quality over quantity and it's it's in the right way to apply. It's very simple to me, right? First, you got to look at a couple of things. Number one, are the company hiring? Uh, number two, um, if you're an international student, do they sponsor? Number three, does it match your career priorities? So if it checks those things then we want to apply now, I agree that you need to network, but if you don't have a lot of time, if you're in a position as an international student where you have less than 90 days, or maybe you've already graduated college and you're like, hey, my parents are kicking me out or I need to get a job ASAP, then I would actually say maybe apply first and then network second. If you have more than a semester or six months, I absolutely agree with AJ that you should be networking first and then applying second. And the reason why I say if you don't have a lot of time, you should apply first and then network second is because you can still get your application visibility. So so you might not be able to get the referral because you've already submitted the application, but you can still network with people on the team, right? Go on LinkedIn, use advanced filters, filter by company, location, department, things like that. And then be able to find five to 10 people that work in that department and get your application visibility, right? It's a lot easier to reach out to someone And have a conversation with them instead of asking them for a referral ask them what advice do you have to get visibility to my application because all i am looking for is an opportunity to interview right and that kind of shifts the conversation and gets you to the interview because getting to the interview to me is the hardest part especially if you're applying for those massive companies where there's thousands of other applicants right so they're not going to interview thousands of people they're not going to interview hundreds of people. So they have to find ways to filter this down. And so getting your application visibility should be your number one priority, right? To your point, visibility, it actually becomes more important than ability when it comes to getting your first job, because the most qualified candidate doesn't mean that they're going to get the job.
1: No, and I agree that, and, and as sad as this is, is that, you know, you can have a candidate who is like, you know, for a fact that if this person gets the interview, they're going to get the job but not everybody gets the interview, right? And it's so important to not just practice football, but also practice the relationships, working with scouts, like the recruiters, who are going to get you that, you know, the opportunity at the NFL combine to then go into to the NFL, right? For all the sports fans out there in the sports analogy. But I want to touch on two things you said, because I know networking is just not something that's taught. And even if it is taught in school, it's not, in my opinion, not done effectively. It's very transactional. It's very, hey, Daniel, I saw that you're hiring, can you get me a job? And it, it's not organic. So obviously, you know, first and foremost, if you have the time, start networking now. And one of my favorite quotes from the final round, one of our recruiters from Boston Consulting Group, his name is Bruce Smolin, and he said, network when you don't need anything. And that is something that I live by every day, right? I'm not applying to a job, but I network every day, not just for the final round, but just for my professional growth and just meeting interesting, cool people that who knows where the relationship could go. But it's great to start now because it's very organic, right? I reach out and even in the outreach message, I'll say, hey, I'm not looking for anything. I just saw that you're doing X, Y, and Z thing and I'm doing X, Y, and Z thing and I'd love to connect, right? So you can network early when you don't need anything. That's a huge value add. Also, remember with networking, of course, it's going to be intimidating. But lots of companies have what's called employee referral bonuses. And it's actually in the employee's best interest to refer people who are qualified for a role, because let's say that Daniel refers me and I actually get the job offer and I sign, Daniel could get a couple thousand dollars, depending on every company and their referral bonus program. Not every company has one, but a lot of the larger companies do. And it's a great way to kind of pay back that person who helped you. So just remember that If you know you're afraid to ask for a referral it's advantageous for the company for the employee and for yourself so that's what I always remind myself with with networking and then the last point. uh, Before I let you jump in Daniel is that differentiating yourself is really challenging, but there are actually a lot of points in this entire process of the job search recruitment interview process where you can differentiate yourself and I think it starts with your outreach message. And I know a lot of people talk about, you know, adding a note when you're connecting or writing a tailored message or email, whatever it is, but I still think that not enough people do it. And I would love, Daniel, for you to confirm this, because I get a ton of outreach on LinkedIn saying, hey, we'd love to chat. A lot of it is just, hey, comma. It doesn't say, hey, AJ. A lot of it says like, dear X team, where I'm like, okay, my last name is not my first name. It's very broad. It's not specific. It's not tailored. And I don't even, you know, oftentimes respond or I just say I don't have time, right? But I'm very selective with who I give my free time to. And I think it's the same with recruiters, with hiring managers, with anybody. So a way to differentiate yourself and actually get a higher response rate is to spend more time than the next person doing research on Daniel, seeing that he is from Orlando, seeing that he worked in sales and then recruiting at PepsiCo, and then tailoring your background and your experience to what he's doing today. And that's how you get responses in this process.
0: No, absolutely. I think when we think about networking, it always comes down to relationship building. And we have to understand that relationship building comes down to human behavior. And at the end of the day, you have to understand that humans, right, just part of our, our DNA, we're selfish creatures, right? We ultimately only care about ourselves. Sometimes some people do a better job at disguising that than others. But at the end of the day, you have to remember that there's no such thing as a long-term relationship if it's not mutual beneficial. And this even applies to the relationship that you have with your parents, right? And so that same psychology needs to apply how you network with recruiters and complete strangers and understand that most of the time when we're networking and we're not doing this for our first time, we're making it all about ourselves, right? Like I need a job, I need help, check out my resume, check out this, it's I, 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 I. But remember, humans are selfish creatures. And the recruiter and the hiring manager only care about themselves and their problems originally, unless you've built some sort of relationship, right? And so unless the recruiter is specifically looking for your profile or the hiring manager is specifically looking for your profile, there's not going to be a good connection because you're not solving their problem right away, right? And so what you got to do is actually flip that conversation and make it about them. And now if you're wondering, it's like, oh, well, Daniel, that's, that's great to hear, but I need a job today. Well, start with commonality right, because people love to help people that are like them. So what's a commonality? Did you go to the same school, right? Are you from the same country, same city, same state, like the same sports team, right, or have similar interests? You know, odds are you have more in common with the hiring manager, right then you do with the recruiter unless you studied hr but if you're a stem student and you started a software engineer the hiring manager is probably like a director of software engineers a manager of software engineers software engineer three or something like that there's a lot more commonality there so start on the commonality make the conversation about them what was their journey how did they go from college to career right what do they like most about their job what is it that you're looking for in the job that you posted on linkedin right things that are about them will make the conversation go a lot better. So I totally agree. I also think, you know, on another note, uh, when you talk about networking, I think it's important for you to create processes about around, around building relationships. And I agree with you, AJ. I think that we should always be networking and I hate networking, but it's always build, building relationships. Right. And so something that you can easily do if you are a very analytical and very organized person Create a spreadsheet, like an Excel or Google sheet, or use an app like Fabric that allows you to track your relationship. So you put name, title, company, and notes on when you talk and try to follow up with that with someone once a quarter, twice a year. Like it doesn't have to be daily, weekly, like depending on the type of relationship you're trying to build, you can then determine how often you follow up, right? I can't follow up with my mom twice a year, right? It needs to be probably daily, if not weekly, but Maybe, like, say, me and you, AJ, maybe I check in, check up on you once a quarter, right? Weekly might be too much, uh, m- monthly might be good, w- m- quarterly might be great. Or, but if I check up with you every five years, there's not a lot of context, right? There's a lot. So, you have to identify the people you want to build relationships with, start building that database, maybe set up an hour a week to follow up with the people who have follow up dates, and you will be surprised what happens to your career you will actually make your career recession proof bulletproof and you will see that people will remember you and, and start thinking of projects jobs opportunities for you to be part of
1: well i think there's so much to unpack there and i i heard this great quote where, it's, where it said always have three to five people in your network who if you got laid off today they would hire you on the spot or at least they would fight for you and their company to open up headcount to bring daniel on I mean, the second thing is you said, if you called you know, your mom twice a year, I think I'd be disowned if I, if I called my mom only twice a year. But you know, one of the things I want, I want to really double down on is you said following up. And a huge question that I get asked is, okay, I networked with 100 people in the last you know couple of weeks, couple of months. How do I follow up? And think the first thing to know is that if someone's giving you time, and I can't say for everybody, but I'd say for most people, is they want to hear from you again. I'm not going to say that they want to speak to you again, just because people are busy and they can't speak to everybody multiple times over, you know, a certain period of time, but they want to hear from you again, especially if someone says, "Yep, I'm happy to hop on a 50 minute call. Turns out to be a one hour call on a Saturday. Like they obviously care to help you. So the biggest thing I want to say is yes, you should always follow up. I I always feel bad when someone asks me for some time, I help them with, let's say their career. And then I never hear from them again. And it's almost like, Did I not give them good advice or did they just fall off the planet? So make sure you stay in touch, but also know that you don't have to hop on another call. It could be a LinkedIn message. It could be an email. It could be, let's say they create content on LinkedIn. It could be just commenting and engaging in a comment. And then you have a quick conversation in the comment thread and that is staying in touch, right? It could be a birthday. Hey, Daniel, saw it was your birthday. Happy birthday. Hope all is well. Let them dictate. Yeah, let's hop on another call or Hey, how are you doing? It could be a promotion. Hey, you got recently promoted. You know, it could be an article that you read. Let's say that you know Jonathan always talks about what's going on in the world of media, and you there was a huge pivot with one company acquiring something else, and you can reach out. Hey, I read this article in the Wall Street Journal. Thought it was super relevant to your recent LinkedIn post. Thought it was worth a read. It could be a company update. Hey, I saw your company was acquired. Hey, I saw that your company did X Y Z thing. So just thinking about unique ways to stay in touch is a really good way instead of just reaching out and saying, hey, can we hop on another call? And I actually speak about this. I I recently launched a course, I think uh, since probably since the last time we we spoke, uh, it's a a LinkedIn learning course. It's free. It's on the topic of professional networking and kind of rapid fire tips for networking. It's 10 very short videos, all two minutes uh, or less. Um, And it's just a way to think about unpacking networking because networking is such a buzzword these days and not many people know how to do it effectively but the best way to do it is in an organic fashion when again when you don't need anything
0: no i want to talk a little bit about what you were just saying about when you ask for advice and not following up and and i want to break this down to a psychological term right um at the end of the day the most valuable resource we all have is time right everybody and the busier you have like the busy busier more successful you are the less time you have because if we really think about it Life is all about a trade-off of time and money. So if we're born, we're born with all the time in the world, but we're broke, right? And at the end of our life, if we did it correctly, we have a lot of money, but no time. And no matter how much money we have, we can buy time. So think about it like this. When you're networking, you're asking someone for their time, the most valuable resources in the world and obviously the people that you're networking with are probably very successful it's probably why you want to get a hold of them and because they're successful they value their time more than any money right like try to think about you networking with a ceo and how much they make a minute right so think about it like that or a business owner so what you have to do is again going back to thinking about what's in it for them a lot of times they want to give back because no one does anything great by themselves and so if, if you're lucky enough to get a hiring manager, a recruiter, or someone that has your dream job to give you some advice or perspective on something, the least you can do, especially if you want to continue this relationship, is to follow up. And it's an important concept called the feedback loop. So you purposely want to end every conversation you have that you're speaking to someone that's accomplished the goal that you want to do with a question hey, what book do you recommend if I want to improve my leadership skills? What book do you recommend if I want to uh, do X, Y, and Z? What influencer should I follow? What magazine, what trade, what YouTube video, what documentary, you name it, figure something out, right? Then what you want to do is execute it. And the key here is that you actually want to ask for something that takes very little of their effort to say, like a book recommendation, but a couple of hours for you to execute. Because what that does is shows that their five second of advice took you four hours to read a book, And now they know that you you value their advice and that you execute their advice. Now, reading the book is not enough. Following back up with them and saying, hey, AJ, thank you so much for recommending me to read 1 million followers, right? Uh, Here's what I took away and actually started applying. I've been able to grow my social media by X, Y, and Z, right? By Y, right? Now, if AJ comes to me a week later and asks me for advice, the odds of me saying yes is absolutely, right? It's like, yes, 100%, because I already know AJ is not going to waste my valuable time. And you can continue to do this over and over again. And that is, to me, the easiest way for you to go from a stranger to a mentor. And and it's going to work every single time.
1: I mean, I, I love what you said about the feedback loop. And just to dive deeper into that, it could also be generalized, right? Like, let's say, for instance, today, I was literally drafting a LinkedIn post and it was on the topic of, what not to do in interviews, right? And you could totally reach out and say like, hey, love your LinkedIn post. I actually have an interview coming up and I'll make sure not to do this. I'll keep you posted, right? That mm-hmm. is taking the feedback and then letting me know maybe in a week or so when you get feedback from the interview, how it went and using those you know those tips. So it can be generalized like a normal LinkedIn post or video. I also think that you can end the conversation. And if it's someone at the company asking them, do you recommend anyone else you think I should outreach to, to get more visibility in my application, let's say. And oftentimes they will give you names. They'll say, maybe they're generalized. Hey, you should talk to the business recruiters. Hey, you should talk to X, Y, Z person. And if they tell you to speak to someone, you absolutely should reach out to that person, tell them, hey, Daniel Botero recommended that I speak with you. So they'll respond, they'll answer. Once you chat with that person, Right. Do the feedback loop from there, but also reach back out to the original person and say, hey, so and so I met with this person. Thanks so much again. They said that you guys play pickleball on Saturdays. So fun to see, you know, hope you're doing well. And again, I'm in the process of reading, you know, 10,000 followers book. Right. And then you keep doing that and it creates this network effect. And it's crazy how many people refer other people, friends, coworkers, colleagues, and it just grows into a massive network. And that's how you become well known, because it's not just how many people you know, but it's how many people know you. And
0: that's when you become an asset. And that becomes more important, right? It's how many people know you. So if if there is a job or an opportunity that opens up in their company, right, it's not who who you know, it's who knows you that then remembers. I'm like. Hey, AJ's a consultant. I have this amazing job. Let's see if he's interested. I know he loves his job, but maybe this, this job will be something that's interested. So I think you're absolutely right. And I love, really, really love your idea of like, if you see a post, or you see an influencer that gives advice, right. Or, or you see a content creator that gives advice and you execute that advice and you follow up, letting them know like, Hey, I read your post a couple of weeks ago. I executed it. Here's what the result was. That is the perfect way to get them to connect with you and to build a relationship with a content creator, influencer, or somebody you thought might be out of their reach. Because as someone that creates content, I want to hear feedback. I want to hear the success stories that happens. And it's like, it's the same reason why if you see an author, go read their book and review it and leave a genuine review. It is the easiest way to build a relationship with an author. This works. I mean, that's awesome. Yeah.
1: And, and another thing on that is, and I think people don't fully understand this. And I didn't understand this until I fully dove into content creation is that engaging with their, their content is, is super helpful and trust me on this. And, and hopefully Daniel, you agree with this, that we know who actively engages with our content. Again, I can't say every single post, but I know a good list of people who every time I post or maybe every once a week, they will engage and that makes them visible And then if they ever need something after a couple of weeks of engaging and supporting me, it's not just commenting, it's supporting what I am trying to do and build a community through my content. I'm more inclined to help that person who I've never even spoken to through a message just they comment on my post than just some random person. So I think engaging with someone's content, if they are a content creator, and I actually have some good news that most people today are diving into content creation. A lot of the recruiters that we have on the show on the final round, a lot of hiring managers, because they realize that being more visible, even someone with a job being more visible will help you get to that next level, whether it's at your company, at the next company, content creation is just very helpful. One other thing, Daniel, that I want to touch on. And you mentioned when you reach out to the CEOs, I think a lot of people have huge aspirations. I know I definitely did when I first started networking, um, and learned about it in school, that you wanna go for that number one, the VP, the P, the president, the CEO, the high, high, higher ups. And I think if you can get to them, that's amazing because if they get you a referral, it's almost like a, a slingshot to the interview and, and having a huge chip. The issue though, is that they probably recruited 20, 30, 40 years ago, and they are very out of date of what goes on on the ground. So that's why it's actually helpful to have a, a, a good mix of people that you outreach to. Because if you're having trouble breaking into, let's say, you know, getting an interview or getting to talk to people at when use Netflix, try to find the people who are on the bottom of the kind of career path or starting off in their career path, like the interns or literally the entry level workers, because they're going to be the easiest to outreach to because they're not as busy yet. Maybe they're still in school. I always say the cheat code is finding the seniors who got a job waiting for them in a year, but still have their .edu emails and who are still students at heart. And they would love to talk about how they got into Netflix as a senior. Use them to figure out how to get your foot in the door. And given that they are inside the company, they will know how it works. They'll be able to point you to the right point, people. This is the recruiter for the University of Miami. This is the hiring manager for this marketing team. This is the interview tips that I use, you need to read this book, you need to watch this Netflix show, whatever it is. And then once you have that information, it's insider information, then you can use that to find the right people. Instead of trying to go for the CEO and then working your way downwards, I would actually start lower and then
0: working your way upwards. No, I agree with you. To me, here's your priority when you're networking to get a job. Your ideal, ideal connection should be the hiring manager of the department, like the ultimate decision maker on whether you get the job or not. Now, those are very hard to find, right? The second best people to network with are the people that are in your team. The people that also report to the hiring manager who uh, will be your coworkers who have been there. If you're going for a level entry role, who have been there for six months, a year who have recently experienced the process and can give you inside information of what the process looks like and what you can expect. And then the third person that you can recruit a uh, third level will be the recruiter. Now, Recruiters, it's hard to identify which recruiters recruiting what unless they posted the information on LinkedIn, right? But that's your third third best. And then the fourth is anybody else in that company. So to me, that is the order. Hiring manager, your potential coworkers, recruiters, and anybody else in the business. So I agree with you. I think um, CEOs and vice presidents is like... The level of effort that it takes to get them for the re- for the reward that you get is not what I would do to network unless it's a small company with less than hundred people. Um, it's definitely not worth all that effort now it's important to build relationships with those individuals if your goal is to become a CEO or a vice president. But your first job, your first priority should be to get your foot in the door to to start your career. Because I definitely think that your first job out of college is the hardest. Like once you get your first job, it sets that foundation and then allows you to then pivot or go into different career paths. And, And now that you have experience, right, is that challenge of like, they require level entry roles that require three to five years of experience. Once you have that experience, what you actually find is that recruiters start reaching out to you more than than anything. And it kind of changes.
1: And it's the same thing with being more visible, right? Because, you know, I think starting off in your career, you will always be the one who is doing outbound, right? And reaching out to people. But you know, think about, and I just spoke on, on a a live event. I was interviewed by the former chief growth officer from WeWork. It was a fishbowl live event. We're talking about personal branding and it's astonishing to me that I think so many people try to just make their personal brand about the company they work for, let's say Netflix or the school they go to, let's say Harvard university, but you have to realize that there are thousands of employees at Netflix There are thousands of students at Harvard. So that brand is not good enough. Of course, it could be a part of your personal brand, but I would really encourage my audience, your audience, everybody out there listening, how could you boost your personal brand 1% more than the competition to where people will start outreaching to you to where you'll never have to apply to another opportunity again, because there's so many waiting for you in your inbox, because people are actually reaching out to you. Even people higher up in, in their career, older than you are reaching out to you to network because of a million reasons, right? So being more visible in general is super beneficial and spending some time each week, each month, thinking about whether it's networking more, putting yourself out there, going to events, you know, really pushing yourself to do more than what you're doing today and maybe even creating content. And I would say the best place to start, I think, is LinkedIn because it's a professional place to to meet people and network. But also you can do text-based posts. You don't have to do pictures. You don't have to do videos to start. And think of it like just a public blog and talk about what you're doing day to day at school, in your internship, in your job, what you learn, some takeaways, the biggest successes, the biggest failures, your story, how you're an international student, what are the hardships of being an international student, maybe being a STEM major and you met someone who was a business major, how is STEM different than business? I mean, there's so many things out there. You do not have to be an expert to make a post on LinkedIn. It's just a matter of, are you bold enough? Are you confident enough to press post?
0: No, no, I, I agree. And I love it. Uh, AJ, like, this is awesome, man. This, and I know that we can talk forever, um, but this is, an, to me, has been an amazing conversation because we've tackled and talked about so many things. We talked about the importance of personal branding. We talked about uh, similarities that recruiters look for. We talked a lot about networking and the importance of networking and just putting yourself out there and building those relationships. So to me, you know, I just kind of want to wrap it up and end it as, look, uh, want to learn more about how recruiters uh, do things, definitely check out AJ's podcast, The Final Round. Also, I'll put a link to his podcast and his LinkedIn on the show notes so that you make sure you check it out. But really want to make sure you guys take away the importance of building relationships and how that is going to not only help you get your first job, but allow you to have a very successful career moving forward. Uh, Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode and I'll catch you guys on the next one. Bye. Whoa, whoa, whoa. If you're still listening, it's because you reached the end of the episode and that speaks volumes of you. In an age of distraction, the fact that you're still listening to this means that you're serious about your career. And to do that, I wanna return the favor and reward you for this behavior. So to do that, I want to give you access to a free 30 minute webinar that's going to completely change the way you job search. This webinar I was built just for international STEM students, and we're going to talk about the three biggest mistakes international STEM students make when looking for a job and how to fix them. So if you want to get access to this webinar, go to career.com forward slash webinar podcast.